0: Now, we learned last week, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, that God is going to put his church and his people on display throughout all the ages to display the kindness of his grace. And the Lord, therefore, is jealous of his people. Now, in this scene described here in Revelation 3.20, of the Lord knocking outside the door we see the picture of an earnest Savior knocking to seek entrance. And, of course, the tragedy of this picture is that the Lord is on the outside, and that's how it is in a fallen world. Men have their hearts closed to the... Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and today we are moving into the mode of the Protestant Reformation. And our message today is on grace. You may have heard of that doctrine of sola gratia, that we are saved by faith alone, by grace alone. And of course, it is this matter of grace, the mercy that flows from the heart of our infinite God through his blessed Son, that we receive mercy from the Lord. We begin now with our Luther lesson for today. Just a couple of minutes as we said before you something of the early life and the stand that Martin Luther took for the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Luther teaches at Wittenberg. In the year 1502, Frederick the Elector founded a new university at Wittenberg. He declared in the Charter Confirming the Privileges of the School – that he and his people would look to it as an oracle. In the providence of God, Augustine was to be the patron of the university, and Martin Luther began to lecture on the Bible. He began his course by explaining the Psalms, and thence passed to the Epistle to the Romans. It was more particularly while meditating on this portion of Scripture that the light of truth penetrated his heart. In the retirement of his quiet cell, he used to consecrate whole hours to the study of the divine word, this epistle of St. Paul opening before him. On the occasion, having reached the 17th verse in the first chapter, he read this passage from the prophet Habakkuk. The just shall live by faith. This precept struck him. There is then for the just a life different from that of other men. And this life is the gift of faith. This promise which he received into his heart, as if God himself had placed it there, unveiled to him the mystery of the Christian life and increased this life in him. Years after, in the midst of his numerous occupations, he imagined, he still heard these words, the just shall live by faith. Luther's lectures thus prepared had little similarity to what had been heard till then. It was not an eloquent rhetorician or or a pedantic schoolman that spoke, but a Christian who had felt the power of revealed truths, who drew them forth from the Bible, poured them out from the treasures of his heart, and presented them all full of life, to his astonished hearers. It was not the teaching of a man, but of God. In the middle of the square at Wittenberg stood an ancient chapel, 30 feet long and 20 wide, whose walls, propped up on all sides, were falling into ruin. An old pulpit made of planks and three feet high received the preacher. It was in this wretched place that the preaching of the Reformation began. This building, adds Myconius, one of Luther's contemporaries, who recorded these circumstances, may well be compared to the stable in which Christ was born. It was in this wretched enclosure that God willed, so to speak, that his well-beloved son should be born a second time. Among those thousands of cathedrals and parish churches with which the world is filled, there was not one of that time which God chose for the glorious preaching of eternal life. Luther preached. Everything was striking in the new minister. His expressive countenance, his noble air, his clear and sonorous voice captivated all his hearers. Before his time, the majority of preachers had sought rather what might amuse their congregations than that would convert them. The great seriousness that pervaded all Luther's sermons and the joy with which the knowledge of the gospel filled his heart imparted to his eloquence an authority, a warmth, and an unction that his predecessors had not possessed. Soon the little chapel could not hold the hearers who crowded to it. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gollaher, and from the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church, we now bring our message today from Revelation chapter 3. The Lord Jesus saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. May the Lord knock at your heart's door. May you open to receive his salvation. Our text tonight is Revelation 3, verse 20. These familiar words, Behold, I stand at the door, and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him, and will sup with him, and he with me. These words are spoken to the Laodiceans, and they were rebuked for their lethargy. They were rebuked for being lukewarm. We learn from this that our God is a zealous God, because God could not rebuke a people for their lack of zeal if he himself was not filled with zeal for his church and for his people. And so it is a great thing tonight to know that we are serving one who is zealous or jealous over his church and over his people. Could you imagine if we were serving a God who didn't care, a God who could take it or leave it, a God who was haphazard, who wasn't really interested, and you didn't even know if he would show up? Rather, we have one who has promised that I will never leave thee, and I will help thee, fear not. Now, there's an interesting little bit of history about this lukewarm uh, reference and it is to water coming into the city of Laodicea by a Roman aqueduct. And you can understand those stone channels that were built, and sometimes they were over valleys, and you got all these arches making sure the water's got the perfect grade carrying the water into the city. Well, those channels were open to the hot sun, and the stone, of course, would heat up in the sun— And uh, during that, uh, the water itself would heat up. And by the time that it arrived in the city, it would be lukewarm. And so when the Lord said to these people that he would spew them out of his mouth because they were neither hot nor cold, well, they could relate quite quickly uh, to that water that was coming in, and it's neither hot nor is it cold. Now, our God is a jealous God. That's the point I was making here. And we know that even from the second commandment uh, that the Lord is jealous over his own name. And we know also of the many interventions of God amongst his people when God's name was threatened, when due to the apostasy, the decline, and the spoiling of God's name, how the Lord's anger and fury was displayed against his people. Uh, There were those that were smitten by fire, those when the ground opened up, those where the armies were allowed to come and invade, all because God was jealous to guard his own name and to protect his own people. Now, we learned last week, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, that God is going to put his church and his people on display throughout all the ages to display the kindness of his grace. And the Lord, therefore, is jealous of his people. Now, in this scene described here in Revelation 3.20 of the Lord knocking outside the door, we see the picture of of an earnest Savior knocking to seek entrance. And of course, the tragedy of this picture is that the Lord is on the outside, and that's how it is in a fallen world. Men have their hearts closed to the invitation of the Lord, and he needs to come rapping and knocking to uh, call men to open up and allow him into their lives. And of course, due to depravity and the fall and sin, and even in Christianity and apostasy, churches end up shutting the Lord out. I read about a man who was a tramp, and he had time on his hands and nowhere to go. Sitting on the steps of the church, he was listening to the singing. And the singing was so beautiful, and the choir with the boys and girls was so inviting that he went up the steps entered in through the door but every time he went in he got turfed out just because he was a shabby looking old tramp and nobody wanted him and so he sat down on the steps and he prayed lord i can't get inside that church and the story is that the lord replied I can't get in either. I've been put out of that church years and years ago. The grace and the love of God is not in the place. And of course, the Lord can be shut out, even of his own church, where traditionally his name is used, but in reality, he is not desired. Now, I pray tonight that you have heard the Savior knocking at your heart's door. I pray that you have received the invitation to allow the Lord into your life, into your heart. Now, look very carefully at this text. I want to break it up into little pieces. Behold, I stand at the door. There is the pleasure of God's visitation to our souls. I stand at the door and knock. There is the persistence of God's visitation to our souls. If any man hear my voice, there's the personal persuasion of God's visitation. And then he promises, I will come into him. And there's the promise of God's visitation and sup with him. There is the passion of the Lord's visitation, and he with me. There is the portion of all believers who will open the door to receive the Lord to the inside. Now, we want to start here with the pleasure of God's visitation to our souls. Behold! I stand at the door and knock. This is no small thing. And this is God's tremendous delight. Redemption is God's good pleasure. If you go back with me to Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 9 through 11, you will discover here of God's good pleasure at work. We'll begin at verse 9. Having known, make known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purchased in himself, or purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he may gather together in one things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things, after the counsel of his own will. And so, there you see God knocking. You can see God seeking entrance, calling men to enter into the saving grace of the Lord Jesus, and how important that is as the the Lord knocks at that door. And through history, the Lord has been knocking, he was knocking at Adam's heart when Adam was hiding in the garden, and God said, Where art thou? He was knocking at Noah's heart when he said to him, Build an ark and save your family from the judgment that is come, because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God took pleasure in the salvation of Noah. Uh, Then in Israel, his own nation, his own people, God took pleasure in Israel. They were his delight. They were the people over whom he sung and rejoiced. Now, the prophet Isaiah uh, spoke profusely on the delight which the Lord takes in saving his people. And I want to give you some of these key verses in Isaiah. Chapter 43 and we'll read verses 1 to 7. Chapter 43, verses 1 to 7. Now, tonight, you're going to need your Bible. You're going to need to flick through some of these verses that we're looking at, because uh, I need to verify what I'm saying. I need to let the Bible speak for itself as we look at these things. So Isaiah 43, verse 1, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation, Oh deliver me from. Now, that's not got a wrong chapter here. Um, it might be chapter hmm, 43. 43? Yeah. <coughs> no, I was talking about verifying what I'm saying, and now I can't find what I'm looking for. Uh, that becomes a very awkward situation. Uh, when we're in the pulpit here. But, uh, sorry, I'm in Psalms. That's what I've done wrong. Somehow I got into the book of Psalms, and it was throwing me for a loop. Here we are, chapter 43, Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee, since thou wast precious in my sight. Thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, Keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Then every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory." I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. So you can see that God, in his plan of redemption, is taking tremendous delight in his people. Verse 11 of that same chapter I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. And verse 14 Thus saith the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel For your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans, whose cry is in the ships. And verse 18, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And verse 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions from for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins." And then on over to chapter 44, verse 7, "'And who as I shall call, and shall declare it, and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people, and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show unto them. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time, And have declared it, ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. And then verse 21 through to 24. Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for thou art my servant, I have formed thee. Thou art my servant, O Israel, thou shalt not be forgotten of me. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud my sins, Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest, and every tree therein. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob, and glorified himself in Israel. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth for myself." And so you see here, Isaiah, that is, he builds on this theme of redemption, the delight that God takes in his people in his church. Now remember that in the Bible we have progressive revelation, and it starts with God showing his interest to one and two, and then a particular nation. And then by the time we get to the New Testament, you have the missionary program for the whole world as God sets out to redeem his people. And God is filled with zeal for his church, for you and for me. If you go to Isaiah 37 and verse 32, Isaiah 37 And verse 32, you'll see the word zeal in here. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant, and they that escape out of Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. And so here we have, right at the very uh, door here, we have this marvelous situation where the Lord takes pleasure in knocking and inviting and calling men unto Himself. And of course, the great fulfillment of this is that in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, the Lord Jesus, into the world. And God comes knocking. He knocks in every generation. He knocks in every place that the gospel is preached. And tonight, through the gospel, God is knocking at heart's doors. And I trust that tonight your heart has been opened, and you have received the Lord." You'll notice also that the Lord, that he says, I stand at the door and knock. There is the persistence of God's visitation. And we scan the history of the world and of the church, and we see that God never gives up. God never ceases. There are many enemies, many reverses to the church, but God continues to gather out his people and save them. We think of the Old Testament Israel, how there were many apostasies. When you read the book of Judges, it's just a continual cycle of revival, decline. And then God raises up another judge to deliver his people, and they fall into sin again. And then there's another cycle, a high of blessing and a low of of idolatry and, and ungodliness. You think of the days of Samson and the Benjamites and all the, the cycles that continued. But God never gave up. He always sent them a deliverer. And of course, all of those were pointing to the Lord Jesus, who is the great deliverer of his people. And this is the relevancy of the church in this present age. We are called to preach the gospel, we are to persist in the work to which the Lord has called us. And the church exists to preach the good news of Christ. Preachers are called to preach the Word and to go into all the world and preach this gospel. And we know that the Holy Spirit will not stop striving. He will continue to strive in this world. And until Christ returns and the trumpet sounds, the Holy Spirit is active. He is convicting and converting and bringing men into the church of the Lord Jesus. And truly, that is our burden to preach the cross of Christ, the message of the gospel to you, wherever you may be today. Thank you for being a part of this program. We look forward to hearing from you. Give us a call, send us an email. All the information is coming up now in our closing announcements. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak. And this is Ian Golliher. In this closing minute of the program, let me share with you my burden to take the gospel to the unsaved, even those who will never go to church or listen to a Bible program. So I have written a number of gospel leaflets and called them, Let the Bible Speak to Your Heart. On the front cover, I set out a Bible passage. The one in my hand is on John 10, where the Lord Jesus called himself the Good Shepherd. I think it's important to get the Word of God into the hands of the reader. On the inside pages of this four-side leaflet, I lay out the gospel in clear terms and explain the parable of Jesus calling himself the Good Shepherd. I explain substitutionary atonement and call the reader to repent of sin and believe on the Lord Jesus for cleansing in his blood. I then put in a QR code for people to scan to listen to a full audio message on the Lord Jesus as the Good Shepherd. The back page has a few interesting quotes, like the one by Hannah Moore. No man ever repented of being a Christian on his deathbed. Then I give information on the local radio station, church online ministry, and my phone number for people to call for pastoral help. These can be used by churches, by families, to give to neighbors and friends. If you could use these leaflets, then call me at 604-897-2040 or go to our website, ltbs.ca, to see a sample which you can print out from the site. Thank you for listening today. Remember to send for the Let the Bible Speak Radio Leaflet.